Hey there, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to make sure you were aware of a free resource I have. It's an audio training that I created to walk you through the steps of not dieting, but tuning into your body and making the next behavior change that fits you. So if you're struggling to control your eating or feeling frustrated or stressed about weight gain, this is a great guide to just download really quick and listen to and figure out, okay, what are some step-by-step guides that I can take right now to move myself in a positive direction? It really walks you through the how. So if you're looking for that type of guidance, make sure you grab that for free at drhondorp.com forward slash tune in. That's drhon.com forward slash tune in. T-U-N-E-I-N. So check that out and get that today. And before we dive in today, just a reminder that today's show and all the blog and podcast episodes are all for informational and educational purposes only. They do not constitute a patient-doctor relationship, and they should not be used in substitute for any form of medical, mental health, nutritional, or any professional advice. I'm going to dive in today with an intro to my discussion with Jen Radke. This was a really great discussion. So Jen is a podcaster and she has a podcast called the Fat Girl Book Club. And I mentioned her before. She was actually the first person to ever interview me on their podcast. And I was really struck by just her I was impressed with her attention to the research, but I was struck by just her enthusiasm and excitement for the work that she's doing in the body acceptance space, body liberation space, and I just think that you guys are going to love this conversation. Jen shares her personal story with us today and gives such a great example of some of the ways that dieting or fixation with weight loss can take over our lives and keep us from living our true dreams and passions. We're going to dive into her personal struggle and also what the difference was that finally caused her to stop dieting after decades of large ups and downs with weight loss, meeting her weight loss goals, endless tracking, and just a lot of distraction from what truly matters to her. She also gives tips to improve your body image at the end, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And I just think you're really going to enjoy hearing a personal experience example of how some of the ways that dieting really took away her autonomy and control and how she's regained it back in her journey over the past three years or so. So settle in and can't wait to have you as part of this conversation. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and dive in to some really important topics that you and I are both really passionate about. We're going to get into, you have some, you know, a lot of expertise working with people on their body image, and we're definitely going to bring that to the table today. And I want to get to that. But first, I want to start with, you really do have quite the personal story about your relationship with food, and it's led you to the path where you're at today. So I would love to have my listeners learn a little bit more about you. So can you tell us about who Jen is, what she's all about, yeah, yeah. I I am so excited to be here. I think this is going to be great. I've been binge listening to your podcast and I've just been enjoying it so much. I think it's such a different take and I'm really really enjoying it. So, my pleasure to be here. Uh, let's see. 
let's give you a little little crash course on Jen. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a doggy mama. I have a little long-haired chihuahua who is kind of my best friend and pretty much what I live for most days. <laughs> and his name is Yoda, right? His name is Yoda. Yes, he's Love very, it. very important to me. In terms of what I am doing right now for quote-unquote work, uh, I am a podcast editor and so I run my own podcast called Fat Girl Book Club, which Sean came on and we talked about really an interesting book. Honestly, it was probably one of the most controversial books I've actually had on there. So it was such an interesting discussion. Uh, and then I, I am a body image coach. Uh, so I really like to talk about body acceptance books. I am the biggest book nerd you will probably ever meet. Um, and what else about me? I guess... I guess the biggest thing going on in my life is I made a really big transition not that long ago. So in September, I moved from a really, a fairly big Canadian city, uh, working in a corporate environment where I had been working for eight years, uh, had a major breakup and moved from that back to my hometown, which is significantly smaller, moved back in with my parents at over 40 years old. And have been trying to, you know, develop develop myself. So I have been on a body liberation journey for about three years. And we're, we're going to get into that. But I've been on this journey for about three years. And uh, so I'm glad I kind of had some type of solid footing with that before I made this transition. Because I'll tell you, it's been quite a life transition for me. So that's a little bit about where I'm at right now in terms of my life and what yeah. I do and who I am. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I can imagine there's always so many layers to this, right? But that would be, yeah, the more solid foundation you can be with your, like you said, your body liberation journey and your relationship with food and yourself, that's going to help to make some of those huge life transitions not be quite as bumpy. So let's start at the beginning. Let's back up. What was your relationship with food like growing up? Oh, boy. Um, probably the best story that I have to explain my relationship as a kid with food is that my mom used to make cookie dough and she would put it in these those big, big um, ice cream pails, she would put it in those so that she could put it in the freezer and have it ready in case somebody came over. You know, we're talking early 80s. So it was very, you know, if somebody, if guests came over, this was the best thing. You know, you have chocolate chip cookies and it's very, so that's what she did. And as a kid, I, and I'm talking maybe five, six, uh, you know, just old enough that I could lift that deep freeze lid, I would sneak downstairs and I would open the lid of that freezer, find those ice cream pails and put my grubby little hands in there and take handfuls of cookie dough and eat it throughout the day. And I would hide it from everyone. And I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even know why. It wasn't like my mom had a any type of an obsession with dieting or any type of an obsession with working out or anything like that. But for some reason, I felt like I needed to hide food. And as I got a little older throughout my high school years, I would do the same thing. I would come home from school. High school was never the greatest place for me. So I would come home probably feeling a lot of emotion, but not really wanting to address any of that. And I would 
come into the kitchen. And if nobody was around, I would go into the pantry and leave the light off and close the door and literally take boxes of cereal and eat the weirdest things. But I would eat it because I could eat it in secret and nobody knew that I was eating it. So I had this kind of weird relationship growing up with food and an even weirder relationship with exercise. I used to Uh, I was very young when I started going to the gym. I mean, to the point where the lady who owned the gym, I had gone with my mom and she pulled my mom aside and said, your daughter is very young. I normally don't let kids that young into the gym, but she seems so mature. So we're going to let her keep coming. And I would go with her to the gym. I would join sports just so that I could get workout in. Uh, I would go home after, after school and I would do my hiding food thing. And then I would go into the garage and almost work it off, uh, doing sports drills and, and doing things that I could to, to try to, uh, I don't know, alleviate the guilt and the shame that I felt around the food that I was eating. So I had a really fraught relationship with food and I think it was so hidden because nobody really knew that was happening for me. And all they really saw was this fanatical working out and nobody saw it as a problem because in the culture that we live in, this is not considered an issue. And so that's kind of what I grew up with. And I actually didn't start really dieting until I hit my twenties, like a formal quote unquote dieting until I hit my twenties. So I think looking at it, people go, well, you didn't really have that big of an issue with food, but I really did. You know, growing up, there was a lot of stuff going on for me. Yeah, you weren't on a formal diet, but it sounds like in terms of what the diet mentality is not really a scientific term or like a exact term, but I use it a lot to to describe this, you know, shame of I shouldn't be eating this. And there's this sense and it sounds like you're not sure where it came from, but this sense of I should not be doing this, but I want to. So I have to sneak it. And that started early and and I just, yeah, it does make you kind of sounds like you've reflected a little bit and tried to figure out sometimes it's just doesn't take that much. It mm-hmm. sometimes is just this sort of what we call the diet culture or just this pressure to look a certain way and or even a comment here or there can make you feel like I shouldn't be doing this. And then that can be a little bit of a vicious cycle, like a ball rolling mm-hmm. down a hill. And it doesn't always take like this specific mom talking about her weight and, and dieting all, always it it's not always, it can be something smaller and then you get caught up in it. Yeah. And so so your first, like, so you were saying when your first diet, you mean like a first formal weight loss attempt. Yes. That was later. You said like your twenties. I, uh, so, uh, when my partner and I decided to get married, uh, I just did what I think every girl goes through, you know, I mean, I mean, you don't have to look far to see that you need to look your absolute best for your wedding day rhetoric, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably lose some weight for for my wedding. So I went on Weight Watchers, as you know, many people do. Uh, and that started the ball rolling. And I really made up for lost time, I'll tell you. Um, I have done uh, in the decades since my 20s to now approximately 18 different diets. I did two bodybuilding shows. So I went very far into uh, disorder 
with my eating and my fitness because the bodybuilding world, um, you know, my trainer always said, this is a, an extreme sport and it, and it is, and it can very easily put you into, especially if you're not going into it with the right mindset, it can put you into disorder zone. And it did for me. And I ended up with an eating disorder. I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. So that's how quickly (laughs) things moved for me. Uh, it was like you do one diet and you get on, like many people talk about, you lose a lot of weight on your first diet. Your body's not used to it. It doesn't really know what's happening. So it's, it's, it's trying to catch up. And then once it realizes, oh, this starvation thing is going to keep coming, it knows what's going to happen. So it starts to prepare and then you can't seem to get the same traction that you were getting. And you either have to go to really extreme lengths to get that, or you give up in frustration and feel like those are your only real options. So yeah, so I went kind of hardcore into the disordered realms of health and fitness. Once I started dieting, it was, it was pretty extreme. Yeah, lots of ups and downs. And you said two decades, so spanning many years and a lot of time, energy, emotional energy, a lot of counting, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 I um and this is this is too far and perhaps you want to end up cutting this out, but I am a very good rule follower. If you give me a rule, I will follow it. Mm-hmm. So when I had a meal plan, I would literally every Monday morning make myself a booklet that would have a checklist of every day what my meals were so I could check them off, a tracking for my water, all of my workouts. And because I was doing bodybuilding, there's quite a bit of weightlifting. So I'd have the entire workout listed with what I lifted the last time so I could lift more and what I was hoping to do the, this following week. And then I would have a list of all the supplements because I was taking handfuls of supplements uh, and my sleep tracking. And then it would have every Wednesday and every Saturday, I would weigh myself. So it would have a spot for me to put that number in. I had every Monday, I would create that booklet every Monday. And mm-hmm. this is a way when I look back on it now, if I ever get that feeling again on the Monday when I have created that booklet and I am looking at that booklet, having not even done the first thing on there yet and feeling exhausted, I know I'm on a diet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, nobody has to, you know, you can sell it to me as a wellness program. You can sell it to me as a lifestyle choice. But the fact of the matter is if I'm looking at everything I'm supposed to do and I'm exhausted before I even start it, it's a diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about a lot of like, a lot of times it's not necessarily the behavior itself. Although sometimes behaviors, we can say that's, that's clearly not healthy, but a lot of times it's how you feel about it. And that feeling of just like complete exhaustion of, ugh, and you haven't even started that's, I mean, we talk about internal external motivation. Clearly we're going to tick that over to the external side. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So a lot of reflecting back on all of this emotional, mental, cognitive energy, what made you eventually decide to stop dieting? Oh boy. This was a, uh, I think, I think it's an accumulation of all the diets that I did. And the last one I did, 
was Jenny Craig. And I had gone on the diet. I had lost the weight. I was, you know, a couple months into maintenance phase and I had been keeping it off. Looking back, I had been keeping it off in a very disordered manner, uh, including socially isolating and, uh, you know, tracking everything to the point of, again, exhaustion. But I had been keeping it off. So I was like, oh, I'm on a different track. This is going to work. Everything's going to be great. And then uh, my uh, a close family member went into hospice care. And like I said before, I was living in a, in a bigger city and he was back in my hometown. So I had to come back. And I came back for, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks, give or take. And I didn't have access to the same things that I had access when I was able to isolate myself, right? I wasn't able to, you know, plan all my meals and go to three different grocery stores to get everything I needed. I wasn't able to, you know, do all the meal prep that I'd been doing or, you know, any of those things that that I was doing in order to quote unquote, stay on track. But I didn't feel bad about it. There was no guilt or shame around it. I was too wrapped up in the fact that someone I loved and cared about was in a place where he was probably going to die. And I was too wrapped up in that. So obviously, you know, I mean, I was eating and I felt like I was eating like a normal person. You know, we'd go out to a restaurant. I ended up, you know, eating half of most of my meal, not because I didn't want it just because I wasn't hungry. Like it, it, I just felt like I was normal yeah, and it felt eating and it intuitively. felt great. Yeah. Like you yes. were actually in that moment listening to your body and so much intuitively. Uh-huh. Exactly. That was empowering it, and liberating. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I got back, back home and I went to Jenny Craig to do my weekly check-in with my coach. Um, And I said that with my eyes rolling back to the back of my head, just for the listeners. And uh, I had gained 15 pounds. That's a lot of weight to gain in two weeks. I mean, that's a lot. And like I said, I wasn't, nothing like, there wouldn't have been anything wrong if I had, but I hadn't been binging. I hadn't been, and I knew what a binge felt like. Um, And I had definitely not been doing that. I felt like I was eating like a normal person. And She said, well, you weren't putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. And she questioned my commitment to what she said was the value of health. And it was like a house of cards just tumbled down because I went, this isn't healthy. It isn't healthy that when I go to visit my family member, they need me. I can't be there for them because I have to go work out or I have to go meal prep or I have to go tell them I need a special meal when we go out. That's not, that's not healthy. That's Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of mental health. Yeah. And it was just like, all of a sudden this wool came off of my eyes. I, I, it was like, what did they say about the matrix? I took the red pill or I took, I, whatever one Neo takes in the movie, that's the one I took. Cause all of a sudden it was like, I have spent 20 years of my life in order to try to be thin. I have gained 15 pounds in two weeks doing normal eater stuff. And you're telling me I'm not committed to this lifestyle. 
I was angry. I was upset. I was hurt. I was frustrated. And to top it all off, during that trip that I had made home, I had read Health at Every Size by Dr. Lindo Bacon. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I thought so. The book that you and I read for my podcast was called Secrets of the Eating Lab. Yep. And I thought that health at every size was going to be like that book in a, in that it goes off about how, oh, you don't have to diet. It's not about dieting, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, it would just give you a meal plan and say, it's not a diet. This is a new way to eat. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was expecting out of health at every size, but I got something different. It wasn't earth shattering. It wasn't life changing, but I'll tell you when that lady started talking about how I wasn't taking care of myself because I wasn't committed to being thin while my uncle was dying, I, that book came back to me and I began to realize that she's wrong. So that was it. That was the, you know, I mean, it wasn't a automatic, okay, now I'm done dieting forever thing. It definitely wasn't. There was obviously a very spiral like journey, not an upward trajectory at all times journey, but that was the start of it right there. That point is, was my dieting rock bottom. Yeah. And it's interesting because one of my questions for you and you kind of answered it is like, how much was information and research? Because you and I are, we love research and books and we have that in common. And I think a lot of the listeners do too. But what I often forget sometimes because I love the research so much is that it's, we're not moved by research, right? Like you weren't moved by that book per se, that it sort of laid the foundation and it laid it like put a little bug in your ear of, Hey, there might be a different way to think about this, but it was actually that moment and the anger of that's what flipped it. And that's, I think really interesting. And I think that that's what we know about motivation is emotions change motivation, Mm. emotions motivate us information doesn't. I, and I, I, and I think a lot of us come to this, like if I just explain, I, I probably fall into this too. If I can explain all the, the logical components of motivation, it'll just, and I have a lot of people share that too. Like they'll, they'll do all these calculations and try to figure out like if my lifespan, if I change these habits, it'll change my lifespan and the number will change. And again, it's the motivation to change comes from the the emotion. So thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's really important and it can take that really intense moment sometimes. And like you said, it wasn't like perfect. Oh, I'm done dieting forever, but that sounds like was a pretty pivotal moment for you and spurred you on a very different path. Right. It did. Mm-hmm. It did. It did. And I'm so glad it did. I mean, I gave 20 years of my life mm-hmm. to dieting, yeah. to an eating disorder, to bodybuilding, 20 years of my, and that's not including all those years. Like I was telling you being a kid and hiding food and having a lot of emotional attachment to fitness. And you know, that doesn't include any of that. And if we do include that, well, okay. I mean, I probably, since I was five years old, I Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. stuff happened. So yeah, no, exactly. And it, and it is emotional. I, I find most people who come to this work, do there is an emotional component. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, and the research helps because there, I mean, I'm a detailed person, like you said, we're both detailed persons. So, so once you kind of dip your toe in, then you need all that information. Otherwise you're probably not going to (laughs) stay. Yeah. It's nice to have the backup of like, Oh yeah, this actually makes sense. 
Yeah. So, t- so how did that relate to what you're doing now with the podcast and body image coaching? Can you give us the timeline of this yeah. new, you know, more liberated self-accepting yes. journey that you've been on? Well, what's really quite funny, or I, th- I think it's just, I don't know, ironic <laughs> is that when I lost the last, got to my goal weight with Jenny Craig, and I had started to do all this stuff to maintain my weight. And it would seem to have been staying off because like I said, I was doing a lot of things that were really quite disordered in order to do that. Uh, I got encouragement from people around me to start talking about maintenance. And I went, oh, nobody's talking about this in the marketplace. Like there doesn't seem to be any kind of coaches that are just talking about how to maintain your weight after a weight loss. Little did I know that that's because people don't keep it off. No, no. I just went, oh, I'm seeing something that needs to be done. So Mm -hmm. I start originally when I started, I wish I were me, which is the name of my body image coaching business. That was going to be the focus. Mm, That's pretty funny. I I didn't know that. So hilarious. I think it's (laughs) I mean, life, right? Like shrug your shoulders and just kind of go life. It's how it happens. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then everything happened, everything, you know, crumbling down. I start dipping my toe into body liberation uh, and I sort of go, no, 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 Jen, no. And I went and got my coaching certification and that's when everything kind of changed and and I started going in a different direction. Mm -hmm. I started the podcast. So Fat Girl Book Club is a podcast where I talk to really cool people in the body acceptance space about a body acceptance book. And I did that because as I was saying, health at every size was, you know, important to me, but I couldn't have done this without books. I'm I'm just, I'm not much for social media. I don't know. I was just a millennial that didn't really, you know, I didn't even really get into Facebook when I, when it first came out. Uh, So for me, it was always been, and always has been books. And so I had a hard time talking to other people about them because, you know, if, if you're not, if you don't get it, like if, if you've never really sat and thought about the messages that we're getting on a daily basis about, our bodies. This stuff doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you read one of these awesome, fantastic books, and then you try to go to explain to someone what you've just read, that's really hard. Like most of the time it's like you, you mess it up, you screw it up. People look at you funny and then they start to, you know, come back at you with all this stuff that we hear, uh, that we just take as gospel, even though it's not. And so I wanted a space where I could talk to people about these books and talk to people who, who get it. And so that's how kind of the podcast came about. And, uh, you know, from there, it's just been, I just started a virtual book club so that more people can talk about these books. Cause I think the more we can read these books, more we can understand these books, the more we can internalize some of the messages of these books. I think the, the further the movement's going to get. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And just really creating that sense of community and feeling of lack, not, I mean, one of the things people always struggle with, but particularly now is the isolation, but like you're not alone. And so I think you've done an awesome job with that. So very cool. One of the things that, you know, I want to do on this podcast is help people say like, okay, not, not dieting. And we make the case for that, but 
now what, right? And I, I want people to, a lot of people want to focus on health and we'll talk about like that health isn't something you have to focus on, but a lot of people want that and they want to figure out what that looks like for, for them. And you've talked previously, you've mentioned sort of one of your goals is to increase energy. So in what ways do you work towards that goal? And is it easy to do without slipping back into that old thinking patterns, the diet mentality? It's so not easy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, that's at least none of us are alone, right? <laughs> no, 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 it's not easy. I think one of the things that I really struggled with at the beginning, because I had that experience with that, that quote unquote coach. And I couldn't figure out why it bothered me so much. And when I did finally kind of pull it apart, what I realized was that I felt like I had been living the value of health for 20 years. I felt like this goal to get to a better place with my weight was health. That's what the value of health meant. And so then I had to start to pick apart that the things I was doing, and this is where I actually sat down and wrote a list of all the things I was doing in the name of health. Because I don't feel like when we start to get into values, I can sit here and tell you, you know, until I'm blue in the face that one of my values is family, that one of my values is family. But unless I'm doing anything to show you that my value of family is a priority for me. I'm not really living that value. So when I started to pull this apart with health, I sat down and wrote down all the things that I was doing in the name of health. And I looked at them all and I said, Jen, are these really healthy? Like, are these really things that make you feel good? And I, and I realized that, no, I'm actually doing most of these things under the value of being thin. Mm -hmm. And when I started to realize that, then I had, then I had a more difficult problem, I think, because all of a sudden when I stopped saying, I'm going to not listen to social media, I'm not going to listen to all the, the stuff that comes up on the news. I'm not going to listen to what all these other people are saying about health. I now have I can decide what does the value of health mean for me and do I really want to make that a priority and how am I going to do that? Big questions. These are really, really big questions. And I think that they have to be answered individually for every single person. And for a while there, I had this whole mission statement written out for health. And then one day I looked at it and I went, you know what, what it boils down to for me is energy levels is being able to live the life I want to live and having everything in my life back that up. And so for me, health is a, you know, multi-tiered thing. It's not just anymore the way it used to be just about food and exercise and a number on the scale. It is now about how I'm feeling mentally and emotionally and what I'm doing to take care of myself what I am doing to honor my body and my mind and my spirit. And I am trying to incorporate all of that on a really practical level in my day-to-day -day life. And that again, not easy, not definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You had to really deconstruct it. And for, I think, yeah, a lot of people, they, they just accept, I mean, pretty much weight, 
and, and body shape, but weight itself is almost always just almost exactly equivalent to health. And you had to deconstruct it and say, I'm going to shake it up and I'm going to look inward. And it took time and it took work. And it's like you said, it's still not easy, but that's, yeah, where, that's where the, yeah. the good stuff is. Are you yeah. ever tempted to diet at this point? You know, this, this is an interesting time for this question because I would have said two weeks ago, I would have said no. And it would have been emphatic with you. No, I don't. Uh, but, and I actually just shared this on, on my podcast, on the episode that came out today. I, I'm not going to say this is a health scare because it's, it's not, but I had to renew my insurance and, uh, a nurse had to come to my house and take all my vitals and my blood pressure was a little high. And it's the first time since I've started this work that I have had somebody and nobody said there's not one person at this point, cause I haven't spoken to my doctor yet, but at this point, nobody has said it is weight related, but it's the first time I've had somebody say something about my body that made me feel guilty mm. because I sort of went, have I not been taking care of myself the way I should, should I be doing more? And it's not that I, I was ever really tempted to diet, quote unquote diet, but some of those disordered behaviors that I used to do mm-hmm. did come up. It was like, all of a sudden I should be doing all the things. Like I should be, I should be working out five days a week. I should be, you know, avoiding any of these treats that I have. I should be, you know, cutting out all my favorite foods and eating less carbs, blah, 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 blah. That's short lived. And I think that that's the difference between my journey now and my journey three years ago is that I would sit in that feeling and that thought and that emotion and that guilt and that shame for days. And now it's like minutes. Yeah. You know, I sit in it. Yeah. Yeah. You notice a little thought, like a little, ooh, should I feel bad? And then, yeah. Are you able to sort of turn back to like, taking control over whatever it is you decide you want to do. Thousand percent, thousand percent. And, you know, I mean, I think uh, for people just starting on this journey, what, what I feel is one of the, the things that comes up for a lot of people in this journey is that it's really hard to commit to an anti-diet life. It's really hard. Like lots of people kind of, you know, they've just finished a diet and they're, they're frustrated and they're angry because they're starting to put on weight. And, that's when it's like, okay, yes, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the whole quote unquote body positive thing. I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, the weight starts to come back and it starts to come back. And all of a sudden that's when, you know, their mind goes back to it. I feel like one of the best things you can do for yourself, if you decide to just stop dieting is to take some time and write out all of the ways that that lifestyle, that dieting lifestyle made you feel, or maybe not even dieting lifestyle. Like there's lots of people who commit to, uh, and this is probably even more highly uh, looked upon in our society, a wellness lifestyle, you know, all like, it's not about the weight, but it's about drinking all the green movies and doing as much yoga as you can. Writing down all the things and how those things made you feel in your body. Because then when you go to do something like for me, if I said, okay, because of this health scare, I'm going to go work out four days a week. And I start working out four days a week. 
which everybody says is a healthy thing to do. And I start feeling some of those same things that I felt when I was in that diet life. All of a sudden you can go, okay, this may not be a quote unquote diet. It may not be Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or Keto, but it's making me feel the same way a diet made me feel. Yeah. So something's going to shift. Yep. Yep. And that's, yeah, again, like that, that behavior of going to the gym four times a week could be super internal and super healthy and autonomous and freeing and amazing. And it also could be the exact opposite. The exact same behavior on the outside can feel a hundred percent different and really you and the person in the body is the only one who can decide. And that's the the tough thing is because I think a lot of times in this space, we, we look at behaviors and we measure behaviors and we assess other people's behaviors and we compare them to ours. And it's tough because you have to, that's the intuition piece of like, we have to look at like only, you know, if that felt healthy for you or not. Yeah. Only you. And I hate to say this, but it's the same thing. It's even in this body liberation space that happens, that judgment happens where people go, Oh, you're still working out four days a week. Oh yeah. You're, you're kind of still, you're in the diet mentality still. Yeah. Nobody else knows that. Yes. It is solely about you and how you feel. It is worth the question. You know, it is worth the question. If this be, if this behavior, you were to see no benefit, like none, let's say not even a wellness benefit. Like you weren't, your, none of your numbers would change. Would you still do it? Mm-hmm. It is worth asking the question, yeah. but if you still come back with yes, then it's good for you. And you, yeah. you do it. You go girl, you do you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's a good, I mean, I, that's what our brains do, right? We judge and that's like what they were designed to do is, is mm. evaluate and try to predict and make sense. And it's not helpful, but it's what we do. And we, it's so harmful to other people when we judge or feel judged. And it's uh, something we all need to be mindful of and work on, but we're going to have to keep facing. Unfortunately, it's just yes the nature of it all. So, but yeah. It's not easy though. Like you said, not easy. And I, I, we kind of already touched on this, but in terms of like how you can tell if it's a diet or wanting to change for an internal reason, I I think, I think we kind of just answered that. That's Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. only you can know tuning in, like you said, like writing out maybe in terms of practical, like writing out journaling, or even just like taking a moment, a quiet moment to just reflect what is the why behind this? Why am I doing this? what, what told me this is what health looks like? What does health really look like for me and breaking it down, redefining it for yourself. I love that. I think that's powerful, hard, but, but powerful. I think another thing that I did that really made an impact for me was I wrote out a timeline. Like I literally took a piece of paper and wrote, um, clumps of ages down the side. And I wrote a timeline of all the different diets and exercise programs Um, any little thing I had done that was related to quote unquote health, because at the time I was connecting health and thinness, I wrote it all out, all of it. Mm -hmm. So this was a very visual representation of how much of my life and my energy I had given to this value. And so then when, you know, when this thought comes up for me, maybe I should diet. All I have to do is think about is think about that sheet and go, you gave a lot of your life to dieting. Are you sure you want to give up more? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the autonomy, like you've talked about before, we've talked together about before. You can make that decision for you. Like that is your choice. Yeah. Uh, but if you have that visual representation, sometimes it's like, I have given a lot. Yeah. Should I, do be. I really give more? Yep. It can be a reminder to you and knowing that that, yeah, that mindset is likely to come up because of all the pressures and just to be prepared for, yeah. Yes. And so that. I appreciate you sharing that. That makes, makes a lot of sense. You've mentioned before too, that health isn't something we owe the world, right? It's not something you have to strive for. We have autonomy. How do you think the health and wellness industry has undermined people's autonomy when it comes to their health? Oh gosh. (laughs) I think we get beat over the head day in, day out, 24 seven with these messages that health looks like this. You know, health looks like normally the thin white blonde girl sucking on a smoothie, you know, or going to a yoga class. Like this is health. And our subconscious gets the message that that's what health looks like. And it's not just like, it's not just these TV ads that tell us that this diet is what we need to do. It's not just, you know, the, the bus ads or the, the magazines. I was a big consumer of magazines. And it's not just that. It's subtle things too. It's when you watch your favorite TV show and you see a very narrow spectrum of body size. And if somebody's outside of that, they're either just the best friend, comic relief, or the one who's on a diet because she feels fat. That's a subtle message that being in a larger body is not okay the subtle message we get when we see a magazine cover that has somebody in a larger body that's all excited about it. They're, oh, body diversity. Why do we need to make such a big deal of the, of the fact that somebody in a normal size body is on the front of a magazine? Why do we need to do that? The subtle message is that your body is outside the spectrum of what is called normal before You know, if somebody acknowledges that and puts it out there, it's this huge, big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about the man, the Nike mannequin that got unveiled, that was a plus size mannequin and, and the backlash that came against that. If you're living in a larger body, you're seeing all of these messages and you're getting told that none of that, that you're not okay. So the health and wellness industry is just capitalizing on that. They're just marketing to that. This is something our entire culture has bought into. I mean, even, even doctors use the BMI as some type of a marker for people. And so you get told over and over and over and over and over again. And if you don't ever hear a counterpoint, then is it any wonder when you step up to the mirror and you're feeling this discomfort in your skin, that you think your only option to get over that discomfort is to diet? Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that you do have another option. It's not the same. It's not going to be like a diet's very A plus B plus C equals weight loss. Body liberation is an A plus B plus C equals liberation. (laughs) It doesn't work like that, but there is another option. And I think that that, that's what the health and wellness industry is missing. Um, And that's because it's not marketable. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very marketable to, to prey on people's insecurities and the health and wellness industry does this so well, so well. Yeah. That they are skilled at it, aren't they? Yeah. 
Why do you think, or what do you think people struggle with most when it comes to deciding to give up dieting? Commitment. I, I think I was mentioning this before. I think people come into this, this world and they go, yes, yes. I, I, because they're overwhelmed. I mean, when we start to get onto a trajectory where we are just <laughs> over and over and over again, dieting, it's exhausting. It's tiring. It's, it's a lot of work. It's you, you feel, and you know that you're not, you're pushing aside other goals in order to get this one done. So when you kind of come out the other side of that and you just, you know, binge one day, you go, why am I doing this? And at the time, you know, maybe you've hit a goal weight or you've just come, you know, where you've had some success with it. So you think it's okay. You're like, yes, okay, let's try something different. And then when the reality kicks in and you have to get into doing all these things where you're supposed to connect to your body, that's really hard if you've been on that roller coaster. Mm -hmm. If you've been up, down, up, down, up, down, it is so hard to, to connect to your body and we, we do this all the time in the body liberation world. Well, just tune into yourself, you know, just find your hunger scale. If you've been on a diet for 20 years and somebody's always told you, this is how much food you need in order for you to be, uh, you know, in order for you to lose weight, but this is enough, like 1200 colors, that's enough for your body. And now all of a sudden you're having someone say, well, just tune into your body. Your body knows your body does know but your brain's having a tough time with it. And you can understand why you've been told what to do for a very long time. So now it's like, the self-doubt creeps in. Yeah. You can't just be left out to do whatever. And this is, this is for me, this is what I I like to focus on is being able to take this step by step and give people actual concrete things they can do because Mm -hmm. I intuition, that's where we need to go. We need to go to that spot where we can trust ourselves enough to do that but that's not easy. So I feel like the toughest thing for people when they get first get into this is committing to it, is sticking with it. It's hard. It is so hard. It is not easy to combat all these messages. It's not easy to come out of chronic dieting and go into this, but committing to it is so worthwhile. It will change your life. It will change your life. Mm -hmm. Come over to this side. (laughs) (laughs) It's great over here. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And you, you work a lot too. Like you said, it's not one, two, three in the way that dieting promises that, but there are practical strategies that you can do to improve your body image. And that's definitely what you focus on. And, and I think that's sort of the space I'm trying to be in too, which is like what it, get intuition, but what, how does that look? And, and that is hard. It gets really challenging. So what are some of the ways, the practical strategies you talk to people about in terms of improving, improving your body image? I think, so one of the first things that we always do is those exercises I was talking to you about, about sitting down and really thinking about how dieting made you feel and doing that timeline. Another thing that I do is we, I ask people to think of their dieting triggers, things that, um, and this goes for people too, who are trying to move away from if they have orthorexic tendencies, what things trigger you to make you want to go on that diet, like make you have that thought 
to go on that diet. Right. And, you know, I mean, for lots of people, these are things like seeing a picture of themselves or getting on the scale and seeing a number they never thought they'd see. We do these things, we create these lists, not so that people don't diet. What, what we do is do this so that when people feel that discomfort, like stepping up to the mirror and feel that discomfort, they have options. Mm-hmm. So yes, they can go, I could go on a diet and you have fully that ability to do so, but your eyes are now open to know that there is another option. And so you are presented with the two options. So I kind of start normally there. I obviously talk about things that a lot of other influencers talk about, things like curating your social media. That's really important. What you put in your brain is really, really important. Uh, I also talk about, you know, making sure you're wearing clothes that feel comfortable for you. And that is a very privileged stance to take. You know, intuitive eating is a privilege. You know, there's lots of people who, when intuitive eating says, just, you know, tune in. And if your body wants that, whatever it is, you know, that great steak, go get it. There's lots of people that's not an option. So, you know, I mean, I recognize completely that it is a privilege to be able to wear bigger clothes when we need them and, and, you know, go out and get the food when we crave it. So those are some things that other people talk about that I talk about too, but there are some things I think that are great to do on a regular basis that will help move forward uh, our body image, being able to see ourselves and not look in the mirror and not like what we see. Uh, Things like being aware of the diet talk around you. Sometimes we just let this stuff kind of get absorbed into, into our conscious or our subconscious. So when you're watching TV, you know, taking in what's actually going on, taking a look at what the characters look like in terms of body size and what that message is telling you, being aware when your coworkers start talking about, oh, I shouldn't eat this. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to set boundaries at that point, but just being aware of those things will make a big difference. You know, Mm -hmm. being aware if you're a consumer of magazines, what's happening, what are the messages that are actually coming at you about your body? Because these are the things that when we step up to that mirror and we're feeling uncomfortable, these are the things that actually are what makes us think about the diet because we've been listening to all these messages and we haven't been stopping ourselves and going, it's the message that we're hearing, you know? I talk about doing mirror work. I think mirror work is really important because if we don't like what we see in front of us, our tendency is to avoid it. If we can stop and say, no, this is what I look like. You don't have to love it. You don't have to look in the mirror and go, oh, I love you. You're beautiful. No, you don't have to do that. But you have to be, you have to look and see the reality of what you look like and sit with it until it becomes comfortable. That's really uncomfortable. That's not an easy thing to do. But you can start with, uh, I know for me, when my body image got really bad, I'd go to the point where I would walk into the washroom, I'd be washing my hands and I wouldn't even look up. So just start baby steps. Just start looking yourself in the eye. You know, that kind of a thing, really important, will start to help. Also looking at pictures of yourself is very important. Being able to, and I think the thing with pictures is that we look at it and go, oh, do I look like that? For one brief moment in time, you look like that. I'm not saying you don't, you, you can't delete it. I'm just saying, (laughs) take a moment and look at it and be like, oh, and then think about the moment that that picture was taken and try to try to feel whatever emotion was happening at that moment, because pictures are never about what you look like. 
they need to be about the experiences you're having, having. And the further you get into body liberation, the more you begin to realize your body doesn't matter all. Like it matters. Of course it matters. We need, we need to, you can't get away from not eating and not sleeping, but our goals, our dreams, our ability to grow as people, these things are so important too. And if you've been stuck in this over and over again, dieting, you've been neglecting those. So now is the time to, to begin to find that person again, you know? So, you know, I, I talk about self-care and going into, I don't feel self-care is, is at all, you know, fluffy. It's about taking care of yourself, taking care of your needs. I think that's important. Those are kind of some of the, the more practical things that I look at looking at your values. Uh, you know, I was talking before about values a thousand percent take some time, like take a minute right now, write down what you think your values are. Then go get, grab your day planner and take a look and see whether or not you see those values reflected in your day timer. And if you don't, this isn't, this isn't a, let's feel shame about that. What can we do to slowly start to move towards making those values a priority? You know, I, these are the types of things that I think are really, can really help somebody's body image to move from not being okay with what they see in the mirror to feeling a lot better about what they see in the mirror. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I want to even, I think you said this on one of your podcasts and I think I've maybe even repeated it before. And I think we already even touched on it a little bit today, but I want to bring back this question that you already said, because I think it's powerful. Just when you're looking at a health behavior, really asking yourself again, what's the why behind it? But also if I think you used the term in the past, if the scale, uh, the number on the scale, there's no guarantees about if that's going to move. We no guarantees about what's going to happen with that. Would I still do this? I think that in itself is powerful because that's true autonomy about our behavior, right? When it's not tied to a specific outcome and, and just really asking yourself, like, what does this serve me right now? And that's essential. And we often don't do it. We just make these assumptions about what should or shouldn't be happening because of all these things we've been told over (laughs) and over. What we should, what we should do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love it. I love everything you shared. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Tell the listeners where people can learn more about you and all the wonderful things you do in the world. Oh boy. Uh, I've got my podcast. So just look on any podcast app for Fat Girl Book Club. That's the thing that I, it's my passion project. I love doing it. So it's out there in the world. Our episode is out there in the world. So uh, definitely come and take a look at that. You can find me, Uh, on Instagram or on Facebook. If you look for, I wish I were me, that's the name of my, uh, body, body image coaching business, I guess. And, uh, then you can also find me at my website. I wish I were me.com. And I think that that's everything. Uh, I, I have also, sorry, I have also started a free virtual book club. So if you are on my email list, And if you go to my website, you'll see that I have a freebie. It's called Your Better Body Image Checklist. It's a 
just a bunch of very practical things with little check boxes so you can actually satisfaction, you know, guaranteed you can check it off. I love that. Uh, yeah. If you get on my email list. Yeah. It's so great. Right. When you it's have so a fun. list. And- Why is it so fun? I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> it's great. Yes. So if you get that, you'll be on my email list and I have a free virtual book club uh, for my, uh, anyone on my email list. So that's called the uh, Better Body Image Book Club. Right now we're reading a book called Beauty Sick by Renee Angeln, but we actually will be reading Body Respect next month by uh, Dr. Lindo Bacon and Lucy Aframore. So very yeah, cool. so some good books coming up on that. So check, check it out. If you like body acceptance books, I'm here for you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been so fun. I knew it would be, but I really, truly appreciate you sharing it with everyone today. And I know it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. Mm, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, guys. So what did you think? She's pretty great, right? I I don't know if this comes through. I think it probably does in the podcast, but even on the video, I, I think Jen is just such a warm, kind spirit. And I'm so glad that she was able to stop focusing on weight loss and dieting, reclaim and reconstruct what health meant for her so that she can bring her full authentic self in the way that she does for the world today. And I think that that's what this podcast and and the message I hope to get out there is all about. It's not, you know, what you should or shouldn't do, but just helping you to explore and learn about different stories and kind of expose some of the ways that dieting just keeps us from being our true selves. And so I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. And I just want to thank you all for all of the support, all of the subscriptions and reviews on the podcast. I read all of them. It means so much to me. I truly appreciate that. So keep in touch. I'd love to hear more about what you're thinking about these episodes. And also, if you have questions or, you know, topics you want to see in the future, you can reach me at my website, drshawnhondorp.com, or you can email me at support at drshawnhondorp.com. Thank you. Have a wonderful, energized, and inspired day.